64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready? Make a choice and decide to listen. My name is Igor, SF Walker, and I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk, their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today we look at the language of emotions. What your feelings are trying to tell you. By Carla McLaren. In this video we get reminded that if you trust and attend to your emotions, they will take care of you. If you do not, your life will be pretty miserable and you'll leave a mess for others to clean up. You are the expert of your own experience. No book, system, ideology or person should ever be allowed to supplant your own wisdom. If these ideas and practices make sense to you, then use them. If they do not make sense, ignore them. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management. What could you accomplish? If you had an internal compass that unerringly led you back to your truest path and your deepest self, or if you had free access to a constant source of energy, rejuvenation and certainty. Now each of these abilities lives within you right now. They live within your emotions. Our current understanding of emotions lags far beyond our understanding of every other aspect of our lives. We can chart the universe, we can split the atom, but we can't seem to understand or manage our natural emotional reactions to provoking situations. We work with nutrition and exercise to increase our energy. But we ignore the richest source of energy we possess, our emotions. We are intellectually brilliant, physically resourceful, spiritually imaginative, but emotionally underdeveloped. Now this is a shame because Emotions contain indispensable vitality that can be channeled towards self-knowledge, interpersonal awareness, 
and profound healing. Unfortunately, we do not treat them as such. Verbal skills and pure rationality may be what make us so smart, but it is our emotions and our empathy that make us brilliant, decisive, and compassionate human beings. Most of us learn by the age four or five to hide, to squelch, or to camouflage our emotions in social situations. We catch on very quickly to the fact that most people are inauthentic with one another, that they lie about their feelings, that they leave important words unsaid, and trample unheedingly over each other's obvious emotional cues. Learning to speak is often a process of learning not to speak the truth and attaining an uncanny level of pretense in most relationships. Emotions are fluid, ever-changing, and extremely versatile. Emotions move and they carry massive amounts of information with them. They're often deeply perceptive, if oftentimes painfully so, and they're profoundly healing. As long as we approach them correctly, interpret them honorably, and treat them with respect. What are emotions? This seems to be a very simple question, and yet psychologists, behavioralists, neurologists, evolutionary biologists, and sociologists cannot yet agree on a clear definition. Is an emotion a mood, a feeling, an impulse, a neurochemical event, or all of these? Do emotions come from thoughts and instincts? Or do thoughts and instincts arise from emotions? Can we call one emotion primary and yet another secondary? Do primates and other mammals share all of our emotions or just some of them? Even if we classify emotions down to a hairbreadth of accuracy, our understanding of what to do with emotions tends to remain pretty unsophisticated. The socially accepted view is that there are good emotions and bad emotions. These categories have a bit of an interplay, but basically good emotions are the ones that make us easy to be around, while bad emotions are the ones that shake things up. Now, shoving the emotions back to where they came from without consciously processing them create an unpleasant short circuit in the psyche. Emotions are messages from our instinctive selves. They can be important carriers of absolute and often unwanted truth. Now, if we ignore and repress an emotion. We will not erase its message. We will just shoot the messenger and interfere with an important natural process. The unconscious then has two choices. To increase the intensity of the emotion and present it to us one more time. 
This is how unresolving moods or escalating emotional suffering may be activated. Or to give up on us and stuff the emotional energy deep into our psyches. Emotions are always true. They always tell the truth about how we are actually feeling. But they may not always be right or appropriate in each situation. Therefore, we have to learn how to understand, interpret, and work with them. And we must find the middle path between repression and improper expression. We must learn to honor and attend to our emotions deeper, more mature, and in a more evolved way. We must learn how to not work against the emotions with repression or for the emotion with incompetent expression. We must learn to work with our emotions. We were thought math and logic. We were thought arts and music. We were thought PE. And we were thought reading, writing, and languages. But in regards to our emotions, our interpersonal skills, we were just supposed to have figured it out somehow. We got demerits or gold stars for our behavior. But we didn't learn how to identify our emotions or work with them skillfully. If we acted out of anger, we probably were sent to the principal or the school counselor. Or maybe even we had to go to detention or stay after school. The anger would take us out of the normal school day, out of the classroom, and out of the way. And the other kids would learn, you do not do that. You do not express anger, or you will be shamed. Now, if we acted out of our fear, or out of our sadness, we might be seen as weaklings and become targets for other kids, or we might become the teacher's pet, which is often the same thing as being a target. We certainly didn't learn that anger helps us set effective boundaries, that fear is our intuition, or that sadness helps us relax and let go of things we do not need anyway. What I also noticed at school, and it may have been different for you, is that acting out of compassion was also frowned upon. If we subscribe to these false ideas that being emotional is the opposite of being rational, we will set up an unfortunate fight inside of ourselves. The truth is that our emotions and our logic work together, or they should, in a healthy psyche. <clears throat> our intuitive spirit sees and holds a vision. Our emotions move the vision into our bodies. Now our bodies sense the vision and walk toward it. 
and our logical intelligence makes plans so that the vision can become a reality. Now in an unbalanced psyche, our logical intelligence might overthink and eventually crush our vision. It might squelch an idea it didn't initiate. Or our dishonored emotions might overact and scare us away from the vision. But in a whole psyche, our logic will fully support our fiery vision with its ability to translate, plot, and plan. Our emotions move energy, abilities, and information from one place to another by reacting and feeling their way through life. Our minds translate, categorize, and store the content of any material presented to them. Our bodies feel and process any material viscerally. They bring it down to earth. Our visionary spirit supplies the overview, the big picture of the whole situation in relation to all other situations. Most of us have poorly moderated psyches. This is nothing to be ashamed of. It is just how things are. It is how we have been trained and how we have been raised. And it is how we train and raise one another. Transporting information, skills, and energy. That's the emotions job. The logical intellect has its own job. It translates, organizes, stores, and retrieves information. When the two can work together in your balanced psyche, you will become intelligent in deep and meaningful ways. When you can access the grounding and balancing properties of each of your elements and each of your intelligences, you will have a stable foundation and a home. You will be able to work miracles in your life because you will have a full and conscious access to all of the tools nature and evolution gave you to survive life on this planet. Now this balancing act is simple in theory. You just include your physical life, your emotions, your intellectual processes, and your spiritual knowledge in your everyday life. Now this resourcing process isn't about becoming perfect. It is about becoming whole. And a whole psyche reacts to and engages with the world because it has many resources and abilities available to it. Sometimes you will stand up and sometimes you will fall down, but you will be a full-fledged participant in the flows of life. And you will experience true equilibrium. You will be able to navigate your flows of earth, air, water, and fire from a central position where you can marshal those flows to foster personal growth, loving relationships, and a meaningful whole life. From this place of wholeness, 
you will be able to meet your emotions and learn their language. Now, distractions, addictions, and avoidance behaviors have become the norm at every possible level of our culture. We have been trained since birth to avoid trouble and to glorify distractions. Therefore, moving away from distractions and into functionality can be very difficult. And what I've noticed is that the difficulty isn't in breaking the specific habit or detoxifying from certain chemicals. It is in making a movement that is so very atypical. Notice in your own life the people with whom you are most comfortable and relaxed. Often these people are grounded. They're stable. They have what I call good psychological hygiene. Now think of people who disturb and jangle you. Those people are often filled with unrelieved traumas, chaotic emotions, and scattered focus. These people have poor psychological hygiene. They do not have or respect boundaries. They do not deal responsibly with their emotions or yours, and then they avoid conflict or create too much of it, so that their relationships suffer. The movement to the true forgiveness often requires not just anger, but rage and fury, not just fear, but terror and panic, not just sadness, but despair and suicidal urges, real forgiveness is not a dainty or a delicate process. It is a visceral and deeply emotive awakening from a trance-like state. And it is, in essence, a return from the dead. Real foundational forgiveness is a messy, loud, trashing process of coming back from death into life. Real forgiveness does not make excuses for other people's improper behavior. Real forgiveness does not tell itself that everyone always does their best, that they know how, because that's preposterous. Do you always do your best? Do I? Of course not. We all make mistakes. And we all do things we are not proud of. Real forgiveness knows this. And it doesn't set itself up as an advocate for the tormentors in your life. It doesn't make excuses for the disruptive behavior of others. Real forgiveness says, I see that you were doing what worked for you at the time. But it never, ever worked for me. Real forgiveness knows that real wounding took place. Therefore, real fingers have to be pointed so that real movement through the underworld of suffering can occur. When that real movement has been made, real forgiveness raises you up off the ground wipes off spit, pulls off the twigs out of your hair, 
and testifies. You cannot hurt me anymore. It is over and I am free. You have no power in my life. Real forgiveness is a process that creates true separation from torment and tormentors. And true separation requires the proper application of boundary-restoring anger. Or they will not mean a thing. Anger and forgiveness are not opposing forces. They are completely equal partners in the true healing of your soul. As you reintegrate the village inside of you, ask your mind to support your emotions with its excellent ability to name and translate things. Ask your body to keep you in touch with your emotions as they move through you or get stuck. Ask your visionary spirit to keep you connected to the larger issues your emotions are trying to address. And remember that your goal is wholeness. Not perfection, but wholeness. This means you will be brilliant and stupid, solemn and ridiculous, brave and cowardly, beautiful and ugly, hard-working and lazy, and so on into infinity, our empathic healing process helps you stop running because it gives you the tools and information you need to face your traumatic memories head-on. When you can channel your rage and fury into your boundary, you can immediately create sacred space in which to do your deepest work. When you can ground yourself, you can stabilize your body no matter what sensations bubble up. When you can focus yourself inside of your boundary, you can bring yourself back to the center. No matter what the thoughts or visions come forward, when you can burn contracts, then you can move anything out of your behaviors, memories, flashback, pains, or even entire relationships. When you can channel your emotions, you can use them to help you burn old contracts, old contracts, and traumatic reenactments in victorious ways. Then when you are done, you can rejuvenate yourself and restore flow to every part of your soul. <laughs> you are also a living shrine to consciousness, to empathy, and to flow. You should tend to yourself as a shrine and support your balance and your agility with activities that bring all parts of you into play. Make time for art and music, for feeling and thinking, for relaxing and daydreaming, for reading and for studying, for exercise, for dance, for sensuality and comfort, rest and sound sleep, work and intensity, and plenty, plenty, plenty of laughter and play. Honor your multiple intelligences, your physical sensations, your spiritual visions, your emotional realities, and the village inside of you. You are an irreplaceable living shrine through which emotions, thoughts, sensations, visions, dreams, and genius can flow into this world. You are an empath, a soul warrior, and a treasure.
And there you have it. The language of emotions, which your feelings are trying to tell you. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Do leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.